Hello and welcome to the Undroppables Playbook, a football podcast. With your hosts, Ashley and Mike, please sit back and enjoy the show. Everyone and welcome back to the Undroppables Playbook, a football podcast presented by the Undroppables and sponsored by Analyst Depot. I am your host, Ashley. This is my lovely co-host, Michael Duncan. How are you tonight? I am doing just fine today, tonight, Ashley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Joel Embiid is like half dead. And really, that's all I have to look forward to. Uh, a Philadelphia Flyer got arrested. Um, so it just, you know, it hasn't been the greatest week in Philadelphia sports. But, you know, here we are. I'm here. I'm alive. Usually when you start out with something other than great, it has like a 99% likelihood it's because of Joel Embiid. You're not wrong. Or it used to be because of Doc Rivers, which, yeah. uh, you know, the fact that he got hired and then immediately benched all of their promising young players and then blew a lead in the fourth quarter in his first game as the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks is hysterical to me. Um, this is not a basketball podcast, but I will relish in that given any opportunity so yeah have fun I would, love, I would love a this is not a basketball podcast counter up here we're gonna have to go back and count that uh there's a lot there's a lot because it impacts my mental health during the off yes. season so yes well there's a lot to talk about tonight so let's jump right into it um we're gonna talk about some regular old news first and then about hirings and and whatever else uh in the coaching cycle but First off, Kristen Juszczyk, uh, which is Niners fullback Kyle Juszczyk's wife, reached a licensing agreement with the NFL to use the NFL's logo on her designs. Um, you probably saw it a couple weeks ago. She's designed women's NFL apparel for herself, Brittany Mahomes, Simone Biles, who's married to Jonathan Owens on the Packers, um, but most recently became popular after designing a long puffer coat for Taylor Swift with Travis Kelsey's number on it. She apparently was designing that jacket for Brittany Mahomes. Brittany Mahomes had a, like a, a matching one, but for Patrick Mahomes um, and decided to shoot her shot and sent one for Taylor too when sending her package to Brittany. Taylor wore it and overnight, Kristen became like, if you like football, a household name. Uh, she gained more than 500,000 followers in just a few days after Taylor Swift wore that jacket. So it's really cool. She upcycles a lot of like... Um, like old vintage shirts or jerseys and turns them into corset tops and puffer jackets. So it's really cool. Um, especially as someone who likes nice clothing and not weird fitted women's t-shirts from the NFL. Yes, I am a man and they often design clothes for me. I cannot mm -hmm. relate, but I'm very happy mm -hmm. for Kristen and women. Yay. I feel like I was the, a politician there. I didn't mean to be so politician. It was. It was very, very politically correct. Thank you. The NFL is investigating Patriots wide receiver Kayshawn Booty for allegedly placing at least 8,927 bets. That's a very specific number to be alleged. Um, sports bets, which happened between April 6, 2022 and May 7th, 2023. That was during his final year at LSU, which brings up another issue that he was 20 years old, which is under the legal gambling age. So he was also apparently betting on himself, his overs, his own team. Apparently, at least, allegedly, 17 of those bets were on his LSU team. So um, the NFL has said they are officially investigating that. They're, when they have more news, they will let us know. 
I respect the hustle. Wild. Uh, in the games, some people like read some stuff and found out what games he was betting on, and his overs did not hit. But that's a lot of bets. That's a lot of bets to place. Um, we have seen the last of Greg Olson on Fox. This week was Greg Olson's last broadcast as Fox top game analyst. Next year, Tom Brady will be taking over Olson's role. Tom Brady had signed that $375 million contract with Fox. I don't expect to for Greg Olson to be a free agent for a long time. He's one of the best in the game. I'm not, and I could be wrong on this. I don't think he's actually a free agent. I think he's still under contract with Fox. He's just not, he? I, I, he's not their prime person because okay. Fox has other games other than like yes. the, you know, the one that they're going to put that they did put Greg Olson on that they put Tom Brady on. So mm-hmm. I assume that Greg Olson just falls into one of those roles, uh, which is a waste of his talents if he's still under contract. Yes. But uh, uh, yeah. 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 I will. He, it, I, if I had to choose between like two games that I considered even and Greg Olson was on one of them, I'd probably listen to that one. He's very insightful. And I feel like I've learned a lot just from listening to him commentate during the game. So it'll be exciting. And it's Reese's senior bowl week in Mobile, Alabama. Bunch of seniors are there showing their skills, getting ready for the NFL draft. Um, Coaches, scouts, NFL staff members all attend along with media to scout these players and kind of start to develop. I mean, they've already developed, but get a better development of their understanding of the player prior to the NFL draft. Yeah, Um, it's especially become interesting uh, because not, you know, not that it wasn't before, but uh, they've recently and I forget if it starts this year or next year, but uh juniors that come out early are now able to participate in the senior bowl yep. for the first time. It's not, doesn't just have to be a senior bowl thing or a senior, a senior at the senior bowl. Uh, mm-hmm. But also it's where you see a lot of guys that, uh, you know, maybe play at smaller schools, smaller programs uh, really get this chance to show off for scouts in mm-hmm. a way that they didn't necessarily get to do during the regular season. Uh, people get to see them surrounded by different types of talent. Uh, so it's a, it's a really fun time. Um, it's just, you know, if you're into the scouting process, especially it's a really awesome time. I mean, everyone that I know that goes down there has a really great time and learns a lot. And, uh, there's a lot of, I always love reading the takeaways and stuff, uh, that come out after the senior bowl's over. Yeah. And it's really interesting, um, because you have a lot of preconceived notions throughout like the, uh, college football season about these players and who's great and who's not. And yeah. And even someone like, Penix, right? Like what reading and a, a lot about what Penix has done so far in Mobile has been like a breakdown of his game a lot more. Um, and a lot of people are reporting like they saw a different side to Penix in the senior bowl than they've seen. So it's really interesting to see in a good way, but it's really interesting to see how it changes when you're away from your program that you've been with for some time and step into a place where you're coached and mentored for the week by NFL coaches and get to experience new people. It's, it's really interesting. And I think it's a great thing for football. Agreed. All right, let's get into some hirings. By some, I mean so many. So I'm going to blow through some of these. Just stop me whenever you want to interject anything. Okay. I Can I stop you? Yeah. I just want to do the first one. Uh, okay. The Steelers hire Falcons, former Falcons head coach Arthur Smith as the new offensive coordinator in a move that is completely uninspired, boring, and makes me hate living. Uh, 
very, very just boring hire. I, I, I truly don't understand it. To me, are and in theory, to me, Arthur Smith is the type of hire that someone like a young first-time head coach would be hiring as their offensive coordinator because he's stable. He's going to bring in years of experience uh, working in, you know, a couple different systems with connections around the league. His head coaching experience is there to kind of help with day-to-day game management, that kind of stuff. This is very backwards to me. To me, Mike Tomlin is not the guy that should be hiring someone like Arthur Smith as their offensive coordinator who, save for the years with Derrick Henry, has proven to be not very ahead of the times when it comes to designing offensive schemes and calling plays. Uh, but here we are, uh, Mike Tomlin seemingly not necessarily taking a step back from when, um, when, uh, Matt Canada was the offensive coordinator there, but I would have loved to see a young up and coming, yes. like, a um, I, f- I forget the name, uh, Johnson, uh, not Ben Johnson, ben? but no, not Ben. Um, the guy from Houston, the quarterbacks coach, uh, who ended up staying there on a new contract. Uh, Jared Johnson or Gerard, however you pronounce it. Um, But uh, I would have loved to see someone like that, a young up and comer, maybe with a, you know, a spread offense, you know, something that's just going to do something more exciting than what they've been doing. Something different, just change something. Uh, Dan does, you know, Dan in the comments is saying he, he, he strikes him as a guy that's a better OC than head coach. He probably is, but I don't know if that's a very high bar to surpass. Yeah. Um, and also, I, I think he the, had Derrick Henry. So, yeah, and like, fine should not be the bar. Um, and I think the word you used was uninspired, and I think yeah. that's kind of how his his play style feels to me. And there is young talent on that offense, and they're trying to develop a lot and kind of reinvent their offense after Matt Canada's departure. So be. to yeah, and that's but then you hire Arthur Smith, and it, it doesn't feel like a move that you are confident that much is going to change. You feel like you're kind of like just sticking with the same old. So I am not the biggest fan of it, but we'll see. Uh, So on to the next green Bay hires, Boston colleges, Jeff Halfley as their new defensive coordinator. He cites NIL as part of the reason he left. I actually do want to pull up um, a couple of the specific quotes. He said, Halfley's, this is from Pete the Mel. He said, Pathley's reasons for taking the coordinator job are rooted in both the overall state of college football and the opportunity to work in one of the NFL's most respected franchises. Quote, he wants to go coach college football again in a league that's all about football, a source told ESPN. College coaching has become a fundraising, NIL, and recruiting your own team and transfers. There's no time to coach football anymore. So he's the new defensive coordinator. Interesting takes, though, there. The Seahawks today hired Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald as their new head coach. He's now the youngest coach in the NFL at 36. The Seahawks go from oldest coach to youngest coach. That just tells me that I've got plenty of time to become a head coach in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, that reminds me that I'm not running behind schedule at all. Okay. What would you hire me as? I don't like working with you in this capacity. Well, that it would be fun. If I don't like working with you in this capacity where we are talking online away from each other mm-hmm. once a week, what makes you think I would want to be around you that much in an NFL building? Can I at least be like the get back guy? What? You mean Dom? You want to be Dom? No. 
The one that like Sean McVay has like the get back guy when he like gets too oh. rowdy and tries to like run on the field that I like would like, grab your shirt and pull you back. I'm going to be honest. I- I'm too like pathetically small of a human being, but also like not physically intimidating at all. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think I should be the guy that's trying to rush the field. Um, I don't think Fair. that would really do anything to anyone. Um, yeah. Maybe I'll be the first head coach to coach from a box. Who knows? Oh, interesting. All right, we'll figure this out. We'll work out the details later. Um, the Falcons hire a bunch of people. They hire Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris as their new head coach, and with that, hire Jimmy Lake as the defensive coordinator, and Rams quarterback coach slash pass game coordinator Zach Robinson as their new offensive coordinator. I do want to hear your thoughts quickly on the Falcons' overall last few days. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people spoke very highly of Raheem Morris. Um. I think that Zach Robinson is a very intriguing offensive coordinator. He's going to have more or less full control over the offense. He comes from that Sean McVay tree, which at this point has actually produced like a fair amount of very viable head coach or offensive mm-hmm. coordinators in the NFL. Um, it's not, you know, it's, it's much more, we're seeing a much better rate of success coming from that coaching tree. And it's looking a lot more like the Andy Reid coaching tree where he mm-hmm. produces a lot of, you know, coaches, head coaches, coordinators that go around the league um, versus like the Bill Belichick coaching tree. Yes. Uh, so I completely understand the thought of doing that. Um, I think anything you're going to get from that is going to be more inspired than what that we mm-hmm. saw last year. Um but I do believe in his ability to, you know, run a good defense. They they were a pretty good defense last year. They have a lot of really good uh, players on defense. So, uh, yeah, I, I you know, I, I can't say that I have too strong of an opinion on Raheem Morris. Mm-hmm. But uh, I from what I've read and from what people have said about him, I think this uh, it seems sounds like a really good hire. And it seems like he's building yeah. his staff very well. I agree with that. And I think having some connections from like, two coaches from the McVay coaching tree working together is beneficial. I think there's a time where it becomes not beneficial. And um, again, like uninspired, right? Like you come from yep. the same, it's the same old stuff. Um, but in this situation, I actually really do like it because it's this Falcons team has a lot of really good talent that has been poorly misused for a while. So having two coaches that can bounce ideas off of each other that have similar ideals from at least what we understand, uh, I think will be beneficial to not going in a million different directions to find this Falcons identity, but trying to narrow down to one core identity, which I think is really going to be important um, culture wise and talent wise with this Falcons team after what they've had the last few years. Agreed. All right. The Panthers hire Buccaneers. Offensive coordinator Dave Canales as the new head coach. He was a first-time coordinator this year and is quickly promoted to head coach for the Panthers. Yeah, from uh, again, this is not a guy that I knew particularly well. I'm excited to kind of mm-hmm. look a little more into him, dig a little more into him. Uh, a lot of excitement around the hire. Uh, a lot of people thinking that it would have taken another year for him to be uh, not only a head coaching candidate, but a, you know, mm-hmm. a choice. Uh, obviously, one of the top choices, um, seemingly for him uh, or for the Panthers. Uh, you know, I think he did some really good stuff in uh, Tampa Bay this year. Uh, we didn't see the offense, you know, go crazily downhill uh, after losing Tom Brady. You bring in Baker Mayfield, you're running a new offense. Uh, Mike Evans had a career year, um, and that's saying something for him. He's had plenty of them. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, a lot to be happy about, a lot to be excited about. 
Um, obviously seeing him coach up Baker, I think is probably part of the inspiration there and uh, gives you some hope for uh, Bryce Young, who underwhelmed for a lot of people this year. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious to see how it works with the organization as a whole and the organizational structure. That's my big takeaway right now. Yeah. Um, the Bears hire Eric Washington as the new defensive coordinator. I'm quickly just going to keep going. Uh, the Chargers hire Ravens director of player personnel, Joe Horitz, as their new general manager. A lot of people really like this. Um, the Browns hire former Bills offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, as their new offensive coordinator, which I like. I don't mind it. Mm. What do you think? I think that it Ken Dorsey like was. Like, I think that Ken Dorsey was fired for a reason. That's um, that's my thing. Is like it's it feels like a safe pick, and like so like I'm fine with it. Like it's just it's a safe pick. I don't want a safe pick. Like yeah, I don't. I, I, you, I don't know. I, I, I hate the Browns, so I really don't care. That's fair. Um, but you know we're trying to be at least slightly objective here. Um, you know, save. I'll for just the, wait until we get to the Eagles part, then we'll get save for the no i'm i just mean you know i what i'm trying to say is i understand you hate deshaun watson but we're mm -hmm. looking at this higher as what it means for the organization and i find it extremely uninspiring you agree but then you're like yeah but i don't really care um yeah i i would have rather again um i think ken dorsey was probably fired for a reason i think mm -hmm. it's not going to matter as much he's not going to have full uh you know He's not going to have full command over the offense because Kevin Stavansky is still there. So it is going to be different than it was in uh, Buffalo. Uh, but even still, I think I would have rather seen something uh, bring in a couple more creative concepts or at least see someone that didn't just get fired from that same position, you know, yeah. six months ago. Understandable. And finally, I'm going to name both of them first. Then you can go. The Eagles hire former Chargers offensive coordinator Kellen Moore as the new offensive coordinator. Moore had been blocked from all interviews until Chargers hired the Chargers hired Michigan's Jim Harbaugh and the Eagles hire former Dolphins defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio as their new defensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean, I'll start with Vic Fangio. I think it's a lot easier. Uh, the Eagles supposedly wanted Vic Fangio last off season. Uh, they obviously couldn't get him because uh, the head coach of the Cardinals uh, screwed us over and Vic Fangio went to Miami uh, obviously, as we reported last week, he asked to get out so he could come back to Philadelphia, which is home for him. Uh, he would like to see the Philadelphia Phillies disappoint him in person rather than on TV, which I respect. Uh, but honestly, like they looked for a Vic Fangio guy, and there's a difference between getting a Vic Fangio guy running Vic Fangio's offense and, and getting Vic Fangio running Vic Fangio's offense. There's been reports that, you know, uh, a bunch of players were unhappy with Vic Fangio down in Miami, and that was part of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there were counter reports that came out, and they were like, well, what I heard was some guys were unwilling to work, wanted to party all night and come in and not give their best in practice, and Vic Fangio didn't want that. Uh, and Vic Fangio has been in this league for a long time. He's coached some really good defenses, and he's been well-respected for a very long time. I tend to think I – th I think the Vic Fangio hire, it's a great hire. Uh, he could be gone next year. He like he could be gone next year because uh, if Nick Sirianni's gone. But in my opinion, I love getting a defensive coordinator of the Vic Fangio style, which is probably not going to be leaving to be a head coach because I feel like that time has come and gone. Uh, he does his He's also thing. Getting a little bit older. Yeah, getting older. He's doing his thing. He knows how to do it. It's very much in the C uh, Steve Spagnola. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, who is the other one? Uh, 
that I just there was oh my god. I was just thinking of these examples. The, the, the defensive coordinator is just like not going to leave and just going to be there for the next like 10, 10 years. Um, but regardless, that's the kind of hire I like as a defensive coordinator. Uh, yes, Dan, uh, Fangio was in the Philly front office during the Super Bowl run last year. Not really in the front office. He was more of a uh, he was a special advisor, which is why they wanted him to take over when uh, what's his face left to go be the Arizona Cardinals head coach. Uh, but then because that process took longer because everyone lied. Uh, he chose to take the job in Miami. Um, you're laughing. Like, that's what happened. I know. Um, but, yeah, so really solid hiring. Kellen Moore, I'm just intrigued by. I, I think that two of the best things that his offense has been really good at in past years uh, is, one, against the Blitz. Uh, he's been very good against the Blitz, and that is very important to the Seagulls' offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one, I should have put the notes in front of me because I don't have, I can't remember what it is, and I don't want to say something that I don't mean. I'm sure it'll come to me later in the episode. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a very interesting hire. Obviously, things didn't go well uh, in I almost said San Diego in LA last year with Kellen Moore there. Mm-hmm. Some of that was out of his control. Uh, you did see some really, really good pieces. I mean, that offense was also decimated with injuries. Yeah. Decimated. Um, yeah. So at the very least, I think the other thing that I wanted to say was that he's he's good at, um, you know, creating like middle routes, uh, stuff that goes over the middle intermediate uh, to short, mm-hmm. you know, routes, uh, which, again, was missing from this offense last mm-hmm. year. Um I think where he struggled is in the run game. However, Jeff Stoutland is the best offensive uh, line coach in the league, and he's also the run mm-hmm. game coordinator for the Eagles. So a lot of that's going to be melted together. Uh, but it's going to be K- Kellen Moore is going to have almost complete control of the offense while also mixing in things that the Eagles have had success with in the past. Mm-hmm. I think best case scenario, Kellen Moore finds himself very quickly back on the route to becoming a head coach where he was two mm-hmm. years ago because he comes out and he's able to just work magic with the talent that this Eagles team has on offense while also mixing with, uh, you know, what has had success in previous years. Um, but there's also the chance that he's just not as good as everyone kind of thought he was two years ago when he was the hot young thing. He was the next Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a wider range of outcomes, I think, for Kellen Moore than there is for Vic Fangio. Uh, but he's got a lot of talent to work with, so it's definitely something to be excited about. Yeah, I'm excited about Devontae Smith in particular in this in his offense. Um, I also liked, while the run game struggled, I did like his use of incorporating the run game into the passing game, and that, to me, I think will be beneficial on an Eagles offense. So yep. that's what I'm looking for particularly like through the start of the season to see how well that meshes with uh, an Eagles offense that had a little bit of trouble with that. And we're not trading AJ Brown, by the way, <laughs> like shut up. Um, so for the, so for the stayings of coaches, the, oh, how do I want to do this? All right, let's do it this way. Bill's promote interim offensive coordinator, Joe Brady to be their full-time offensive coordinator. Uh, Joe Brady had taken over when Ken Dorsey was let go from the organization. He did fantastic through the end of the season. The Bills' production went up incredibly on offense. Um, and Josh Allen looked like a better version of himself than we saw earlier in the year. A lot of the factors are in play there, consider like considering how close the Bills were on the border there. So they play a little bit better. Um, but I think it was a great fit. 
between head coach and offensive coordinator there. So I think it's a great choice uh, at this time for the Bills. Yeah, I like it. Um, I, he was, uh, again, he was in kind of that Kellen Moore position a couple years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Things fell off pretty hard for him, but uh, I think he's kind of working his way back to there. So. Yeah. The Bills also promote linebacker coach Bobby Babich to be their defensive coordinator. So, yeah, I don't know much about him. So No, me either. Um, and two of the hottest head coach candidates from this cycle are staying with their respective teams. So those two in particular are Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick and Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. Um, ben Johnson did inform like media and sources that he was staying in Detroit while the commanders were en route to Detroit to interview both him and defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. Um, the commanders are still interviewing Aaron Glenn. The commanders are the only team left to have a head coach vacancy. So it's interesting. They kind of have their choice here. Um, they did follow through with the trip, even though Ben Johnson chose to stay. He thinks it'll be more beneficial for him to stay. He'll have opportunities in the future. But right now he's focused on bringing a Super Bowl to the city of Detroit. And Bobby Slowick, I didn't read a statement from Bobby Slowick, but I don't know if he just wants to stay to develop what they've been building there off of such a great first year. That's how I feel. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of mixed uh I think uh, reaction to Ben Johnson in particular saying with Detroit, mm-hmm. um, I don't think it's that big of a deal for Ben Johnson. No. Um, there's obviously, there's always a chance that the offense falls off a cliff. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's hard to maintain success in the NFL and he's been the hottest candidate, I think for about two years now, um, mm-hmm. or one of the hottest last year, probably the hottest this year. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I tend to think that uh, the, teams that they're going to be teams that are going to want to hire him next year um and yeah. i think he wants to give it one more go uh yeah. it so i don't know I don't, I don't have an issue with it personally neither do i and um texans quarterback coach Gerard johnson who was also on a couple of short lists for vacancies and offensive coordinator particularly um is also staying with the texans so the he texans got a new he got a new deal as well okay there we yeah. go so they are staying so the texans keep their core on an offense and it'll be interesting to see if Aaron Glenn um, gets on the even shorter list for the commanders. Oh, and the other thing for me, uh, part of why I think this happened with both Ben Johnson and Bobby Slowick, but particularly Ben Johnson is when you're that candidate, why would you go to a place if you're not totally convinced? Like if I'm Ben Johnson, I'm looking around the NFL and I'm saying a year from now, look at the teams that could be looking for new head coaches. Yes. Like you've got, you know, possibly the Bills. I could see that happening if they mm-hmm. don't figure something out eventually. The Eagles, the Cowboys. Um, there's a lot of really intriguing. I know options. deals don't mean much for coaches, but yeah, the way this season ended, um, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers, um, I know he's been has a winning record and everything, but there were floatings around and he took time to consider what he was doing and chose to stay that job. Um who knows what the Broncos would ever do if they have another disaster of a season. So there's, there's so much up in the air still. So I yeah. completely agree with you. And he, it'd, be, it'd be one thing if he didn't have to wait until the end, but he gets to the end and really, it seems like he's really only being considered for the commander's job. And you've got a mm-hmm. new owner, you've got who knows what on that team. Like it's mm-hmm. just very questionable. Yeah. I agree with you. All right. Let's get into our divisional I mean, championship round recap. 
Our first game, the Ravens and the Chiefs, held in Baltimore, and it seems like Kansas City was the one to show up, and the the Ravens didn't really. It started out with Mahomes and Kelsey throwing Justin Tucker's equipment while he was warming up on their side of the field. Tucker called it silly and a little over-exaggerated. Travis Kelsey went on a rant on New Heights about it. Um, silly, silly. It was a little, seemed a little harsh. But... It, re- it reminded me, like, in the most, I've never related to these guys more kind of way. <laughs> like, it reminded me of, like, warming up for, like, uh, like an intramural basketball game in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, I played sports. I wasn't good at sports, uh, but I played them. Uh, and like, you know, one of the balls from the other, like you're about to play in like the semifinals or whatever, one of the balls pops the other way. So you kind of like, instead of passing it back to the guy, maybe you give it, you know, you throw it at their feet a little bit instead of a real check, uh, something like that. And it's like, you just, you're starting this beef for like no reason, but you're already pissed off at this guy. You're both being unreasonable human beings in this moment. And it's just competitiveness. Like it's stupid. Yeah. But I truly, I, I truly understand it. Yep. It set the stage for what many wanted to call a grudge match. Yes. Kansas City uh, prevailed. It it started with that and it ended with Lamar Jackson throwing to Isaiah Likely, who was calling for the ball in the end zone and triple coverage and an interception. So let's break this one down. How do you want to do this? Um, oh, can I just say that at one point early on in the game, during the first quarter, um, the game was temporarily paused for what was called on the TV an administrative timeout. Um, it is apparently an unauthorized drone to flew too close to the stadium, above the stadium. What yeah. um, I wanted to quote, so that provided calling a timeout is not in conflict with another rule. The referee may suspend play and stop the clock for a referee's timeout at any time without penalty to either team. Um so that's also used when they move the chains, like when they have to measure the chains. Um, that's what that's used for too. I didn't know that was the same. Like it was technically classified as the same thing, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, Where do you want to start? I mean, I think just just take us through just take us through the game. I'll chime in. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about, but um, mm-hmm. it started out to be a really fun game. That's what I really thought it was going to be. It did. So the Ravens get the ball first. The Chiefs force them off the field quickly. The Chiefs go down quickly, and Kelsey scores the first touchdown. Um, it's the first time it was on Ravens safety Kyle Hamilton. It's the first time he allowed a tight end to score on him all season. The Ravens only allowed two opening drives touchdowns in the last 26 games, I think was the number, going into this game. So that was pretty rare for them. And with that, he has Kelsey has the most receiving touchdowns in a conference championship round ever, um, setting the record, the new record at six. Travis Kelsey throughout the game recorded in a, a 11 receptions for 116 yards and one touchdown and one rush attempt for five rushing yards. Um, with his seventh catch of the day, Kelsey passed Hall of Famer wide receiver Jerry Rice for most playoff catches. Uh, the, his record was set at 151 and Kelsey did surpass that. Zay Flowers, at some point, um, had a, a beautiful touchdown, and it was absolutely stunning by Lamar. Lamar, under serious pressure, looks to just about be like get sacked, somehow rolls out, sits in the pocket, cools a cucumber, waits, waits. With that waiting, coverage starts to break down. He now has the ball in his, his hand for an extended period of time. Flowers turns on the Jets, realizes the coverage is broken down, and scores a gorgeous touchdown. Um, 
The Chiefs' second touchdown comes from Patrick Mahomes himself with his legs, something we have seen throughout the season, but hasn't been um, as great since the ankle injury, I feel. Um, so it was interesting to see them use his legs a little bit more here. I think part of that comes from just how good the Ravens' defense was still showing up. So they use Lamar, uh, they use Mahomes, he rushes up the middle. That is Mahomes' third longest touchdown drive in his career. Um, highlight of the game for me was Lamar Jackson throwing a ball that gets deflected. He runs a couple steps, catches it himself, and uh, rushes that ball a little bit. I think but, you mean. Uh, I, I think you mean to say Jamar Jackson. Uh, yeah, that I just saw that, but I, I can't go through uh, an entire episode without, without pointing out a, a very typo. blatant typo in our yes. show doc. Yes. Um, yeah, I do. I do want to go back real quick. Um, yeah, let's because do it. Any Jerry Rice record that gets broken is worth talking about. And yeah. the fact that Travis Kelsey, like Jerry Rice has four Super Bowl rings. Uh, five? Four. four. He has four. I'm like 90% sure he has four. I think he won, th I think he won three with Montana and one with uh, Young. Uh, Montana has four, but I believe he won one without Jerry Rice. I think. Um, I could be wrong, though. Three? No. He has three. Rice? Has a no, whole lot of NFL three. playoff and Super Bowl records. He played in eight conference championships and four Super Bowls. He earned three Super Bowl ranks. Oh, okay, so Montana won two yeah. without him. Um, yeah. yeah, I always forget that. Uh, but yeah, uh, Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey passing him for most playoff record career catches in the playoffs. There we go. Playoffs. Is ridiculous because of that wow. fact we just heard. He played in eight conference championships. He played in four Super Bowls. Um, that's insane. And Travis Kelsey is a tight end uh, who has just been on a ridiculous streak now, basically since his first full season starting. Um, it's insane. It's I, I don't think we'll fully understand and appreciate how incredible his career has been until it's fully over because he's not one of those guys that has only done it in the playoffs or one of those guys that has only done it in the regular season. Um, he did something that no one else has ever done now. And it's just, it's crazy. Uh, I, I try and appreciate it uh, because we don't know how much longer we have left uh, of his career. And yeah. unlike his quarterback, in my opinion, he's extremely easy to like. Yes, I agree. Um, and and he was the Chiefs' key to success here. I mean, yeah. the, I had sent out a tweet that was like, it's been 17, uh, it was like just into the second quarter. It, it has been 17 straight minutes of, he's not going to catch that, right? Right, like these passes were thrown yeah, up, and great catches, and some of them great passes, some of them not great passes, and some floaters, and some fast ones, even a, a duck here and there, and it just he just kept catching them. And I had said last week that I thought the Chiefs' key to success was going to be utilizing the wide receivers early on to try and open up Travis Kelsey more. They didn't even need to do that, so it was right out of the gate that Travis Kelsey made his mark on this game, and. He was the MVP of this game. It was incredible to watch him. Like, it felt like one of those games where I could sit there and be like, like, I got to watch that. That was so cool. Like, and although his stat line is good, like, great, nothing to be absolutely insane about, but it just watching it in, in real life was so incredible. And watching the way the Ravens defense tried to scheme against him and nothing would work. Shows the best you defense how in the talented league. he is. Yeah. With one I of mean, the best cover safeties in the league and Kyle yes. Hamilton, who has the size to match up with them. Yes. I mean, 
if you're yeah. asking for a matchup to beat Travis Kelsey, it's probably that one. Yeah. And he made it seem like they weren't there most of the night. Um, I will say, other than him, the most impressive performance to me was definitely Zay Flowers. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he had that one awesome play that you talked about that where he broke free and uh, Lamar Jackson held the ball for what felt like forever. And then he hit him on the, you know, the 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 schoolyard pl- mm-hmm. broken play route uh, for the touchdown. And he had some incredible catches later on. Could have had a second touchdown. Didn't hold on to the ball well enough. It's a rookie mistake. It's going to happen. Um, but, you know, that's a huge cool. turning point. You can't make that mistake. But he was awesome. Yeah. He well, let's really, talk about really those impressive. those terrible few minutes. So Zay Flowers catches a bomb. Bomb. He stands up, spins the ball on the defender, and stands over that Chiefs defender. He gets called for taunting. Not good. Obviously, you and I are not fans of taunting. but I if think you are, should let him taunt. I think you should let him taunt too. Absolutely. But if you are an NFL referee, um, I feel like taunting was scaled back a little bit this year from what it was the year before. But basically, if you stand on top of someone, look down and spin the ball, that's kind of that's the referees will call that. That's, that's taunting. That's taunting. Um, so they call taunting. The Ravens do end up making up the yardage. And then Zay Flower gets the ball back, goes towards the end zone. <laughs> the ball is punched out and he fumbles before crossing the plane into the end zone. So... My favorite is talking about Bill Belichick's quote, how he had a policy in New England that nobody was allowed to reach at the end zone because of the fumble risk, that he felt the the risk was too great to risk it. So he put in a policy. Obviously, Edelman has talked about that before and how there was like once or twice in his career where he defied that because he just felt very confident that he could do it. Um, but that always comes to mind with things like this. Zay Flowers gets frustrated and he's a young kid. He gets frustrated. He walks over to the bench. He slams his hand. He cuts his hand open. Um, But it was, it was just a terrible few minutes, right? Like it was this short span that the Ravens had these hopes coming back of being right up there, making this a, a much more competitive game. The game was competitive, but much more competitive at the time. And failed because of that mistake i'd say the way that i would put it is the ravens didn't feel like they had any chance of winning the game if you were just watching the game Mm -hmm. but the score told a clear story that is Mm -hmm. all you need to do is score and you could take this game yeah and the unfortunate happened it felt like they actively tried to not do that um it was just it was it was terrible. Um, yeah. You watch that first quarter, the first half, and you're thinking this is going to be a barn burner type of game, but not necessarily one that drives up the score, but one where plays are being made on offense, on defense, on special teams. It's going to be a close, hotly contested game. It did not feel like that in the second half. I know that the score doesn't tell that story, but watching the game, it was like it was like Lamar Jackson was playing a different game than he played all season. Um, the offense as a whole felt like that. The defense was still very good, but not game-changing in the way that they were a lot of the season. And considering all the playmakers they have, there weren't, you know, there wasn't anything crazy. The Chiefs took all day to finally, you know, get sacks and get to the quarterback. Um, and Lamar just, you couldn't do anything about it. Um, and that's, this is going to be a career-defining game for Lamar Jackson. Yes. And it's unfortunate. And I speak to someone who has suffered through the memes all week of Joel Embiid's face on Lamar Jackson's body. But Lamar Jackson's about to win his second MVP. 
He's made it now to one conference championship. He has a losing record in the playoffs still. I believe now he's two and four, I want to say. He got the big contract. He got the new offensive coordinator. He had the best defense in the entire league. Um, And unfortunately, he had to come across Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs led by Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I want to include Steve Spagnuolo in there. Yes, yes. Um, and it just it, it it comes down to yeah, uh, you know I think Dan said it well. Uh, Lamar's early career, Peyton Manning. Um, but this can be a career defining game because this was the year for the Ravens, and I think this is something that I'm appreciating a lot more now. 2017 was the year for the Eagles. It felt that way all year. Then we lost Carson Wentz. Nick Foles somehow took that magic, put it in his pants, and made it work. Last year was the year for the Eagles. And it felt special the whole way through. And it didn't happen. And look what happened this year. It is so hard to capture that magic and do it consistently unless you are basically one of two teams over the past 30 years. Those teams being the Chiefs, and the Patriots. There's no guarantee that Lamar will ever have the opportunity that he had this year. I'm not saying that he won't because he's a very he's a very good quarterback. He's won two MVPs, but there is no guarantee that he will. And that's the scary part. That's the yeah. thing that's like we could, you know, 10 years into the future, we could look back and say he had some great years in there. He had some good playoff runs, but man, it was that year. If he, yeah, he Dan Campbell he has a good quote about year. that. Dan Campbell has a quote about that, and, and we'll, we'll talk that. about that later. Um, but that it's it it follows those lines, and yeah. there there are some seasons that just feel like lightning in a bottle. If you're an NFL team, and this if you're any one of them team, for the Ravens, honestly, yeah. yes. I the one I relate this to yes. for the Ravens because of the Joel Embiid memes is the uh, the Kawhi shot with the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They re- it was an unstoppable. Uh, unstoppable object meaning an immovable for unstoppable force meaning an immovable object Movable whatever object. it is there yeah uh yeah it was just you know that was their year I, I if they had gotten past that one team they probably wouldn't want it all but guess what it doesn't matter um yeah. Sixers fans now look back and say should have been that year then that we wouldn't it. be having this conversation and there's yes. a very real chance that uh you know we look back on Lamar and look at it the same exact way because guess what he's going to keep playing Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen Joe Burrow are still in not only that conference but for Joe Burrow in that division mm-hmm. so and not to mention yeah. Joe Flacco uh yeah he's not really part of this equation but yeah. it, it's scary to think about but it's the reality so it is and you not to mention you were at home, which never happens yeah. in the in the Patrick Mahomes led Chiefs era. So yeah, and so. I think that's that's where it it becomes most painful. And we had this conversation about the Bills too, right? Like this is it. Like there's an yeah. opening. There's there's a light at this tunnel, at least temporarily, right? Yep. Like we're getting a break. We can take a breather. Not that we're gonna let off the gas, but that there's one let the bulger that's in your way is a little bit smaller this year. It, it was a down it year not for the as Chiefs. good as it's been. It was a down year for the Chiefs, and yet they end up back here. Um, so I think that stings too. And and the Chiefs having a down year helps create that lightning in a bottle for you that this path is much clearer for you to get there and you don't succeed. And I think the Bills and the Ravens are both feeling that way yep. at the same time because of the same reason. Yep. Um, and I do want to give credit to... Steve Spagnuolo, I had mentioned him earlier. Uh, 
he he did great. The I think a huge issue for the Ravens in this game was that they had a really hard time establishing the run early on in the game, um, and then could not get back to it. They didn't yep. really make enough adjustments to get back to that run they game, like and when they tried runs or something. Yeah, and when they tried, it just failed, and they kind of abandoned it altogether. Steve Spagnola organized some really amazing blitzes and different types of blitzes, um, and that impacted what the Ravens were able to do. At some point, when he dialed off the blitz, it felt like Lamar had too much time, right? Like, he sat there waiting for things to happen and couldn't, like, instead of making them happen himself, he didn't use his legs as much, and... It, things were not developing as well because when they backed off and the Ravens didn't kind of know what to do, he Steve Spagnola aced it in this game, and I give a lot of props to him on that. Jim Schwartz was the other defensive coordinator I was trying to think of in the big fan. <laughs> there we go, Steve Spagnola go. mold. So yeah, where he's yeah. probably not going to leave for a head coaching gig. So yep, sorry. Um, really quick little brief things. Ravens seemed a little bit undisciplined. Um. Defensive tackle Chris Jones for the Chiefs secures a $1 million incentive by being named All-Pro and returning to the Super Bowl. Chiefs defensive end Charles Amenahue suffers a torn ACL. And Taylor Swift went onto the field after the game. They kissed. Amazing. They, gave, they kissed. give off massive uh, high school musical or yes. uh, if you prefer One Tree Hill after mm -hmm. the championship in season three, I think. Season three or four. Uh, I wasn't a One Tree Hill girl. I either. am a One Tree Hill guy. Um, mm -hmm. later in life. I didn't actually even watch it when it was on, um, which is great. Uh, but yeah, awesome. Awesome. If you hate it, honestly, just like don't do care. something else with your time. I, I get a I, hobby. It's not worth us even really discussing it. So no, it's fun yeah. to see. Glad they're happy. It is very fun. Very Jessica Simpson, Tony Romo. Um, all right. Next game. Lions at Niners, a wild one. Um, the Lions did sell out tickets for their watch party at Ford field. 2,000 miles away. All the proceeds went to local youth. Lions had lots of fans everywhere and everywhere. And early on, it looked like they were going to make every single one of those fans happy. What we declared to be America's team, which many also declared to be America's team, early on, people were celebrating. And then something changes. Especially after the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl. We all needed it. Yeah, right? Like, okay, the Chiefs are there. We're used to this. Give us a fun one, right? Like, give us give us one of, one of the fun ones. If we're gonna, if the Ravens are not it, it has to be the Lions, right? Like, it has to be. So, their storybook season comes to an end after the Niners scored twenty seven unanswered points in the second half, and an epic in game collapse by the Lions that lead that ends the game. Uh, the final score being thirty four thirty one. San Francisco 49ers. You want me to go through the game really quickly? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the Lions open it up fast and furious. Um, It was very obvious early on that San Francisco was very worried about the run. So Detroit exploits that fear with the end around by Jamison Williams to score the first touchdown of the game. That wins me some cash. I, I bet I saw, on that yeah. one. You bet on that. Good bet you. on that one. Um. The Lions were using a bunch of play action on first and second down, and the 49ers were having a hard time stopping it. The offense seemed to just be moving a little bit too fast for this Niners defense early on. Um, and he, the Nick Bosa was really not making pressure the way Nick Bosa does, and the Lions were abusing every second of it. In the second quarter, it's starting to become obvious, if you're paying attention, that the Lions are having a really tough time making their tackles. 
it's the reason that Christian McCaffrey scores that first touchdown for the Niners. It cost them the, the long rush by Christian McCaffrey that looked like he was going to be out of bounds or down right then and there. He breaks free. He breaks free again. That sets them up to score a touchdown shortly after. It costs them from pinning San Francisco in their own, their own end zone halfway through the quarter. It doesn't hurt them too much because their offense is still buzzing. So if you're just watching and not paying too much attention, it's not that big of a deal. But that's when I started to say, oh, no. Like, this is not. Yet. Well, right around me that is when I. I wasn't there yet. Yes. So for me, it was uh, like, you didn't want to give the Niners anything here. We know what this Niners offense is like when when they're they're buzzing. So I don't want to give them anything. So if we're giving them five yards, give them five yards, don't give them 10. And that's that to me was where I started to say, okay, oh, no, this defense is starting to have some struggles there and I don't like it. I'm not too worried. I'm not overtly worried at this point, but there's a little thought in my head. Dre Greenlaw suffers a singer some point around here. The Niners are looking like Swiss cheese with the gaps they have in their zone coverage. And again, the Lions are taking advantage of it. There's a huge moment here where it feels like the momentum shifted. Yeah, here it is. We'll We'll get into the conversation about the decisions after. Let me go through the game, and then we can talk about the decisions. Okay. Um, so it's four minutes into the third quarter. The Niners kick a field goal to score first in the second half. The score is 24 to 10. The Lions drive down the field in three minutes, get to the San Francisco 28, where they face a four and two. Sec- the score is 24-10. They have a chance to go up three scores here. Dan Campbell decides to go for it. They don't convert. Score stays at 24-10. Halfway through the third quarter, the Niners' drive takes two minutes. On first and 10, San Francisco 45, Purdy airs it out 51 yards to Ayuk, who's covered by Vildor. Vildor almost intercepts the ball. Instead, it deflects. Ayuk catches the deflection and is touched down by contact on third and six. On the Detroit six, Purdy passes short left to Ayuk for a touchdown. The score is now 20, 24 to 17. At this point, you're not too, too worried. Um, we're starting to take some time off this, this clock, but I don't like it, right? I'm starting to get nervous now. The Lions get the ball back. This is where you start to get really, really nervous. They get the ball back. They fumble on the first play at the Detroit 24. That's when I give up. Yep. They put the Niners right outside of the red zone. So now you failed to score a touchdown. You've allowed them to score a touchdown and had failed defense. And then you fumble the ball before you even get the chance to do anything with it. You give them the chance for McCaffrey to score again, 24, 24 games tied. Lions get out of their own territory on a third nine at their own 26. Goff throws perfectly to Josh Reynolds' chest where he drops the ball and the Lions are forced to punt. The punt will haunt me. It was perfect. It was at the one, should have been down there. A mistake was made by one of the special teamers and someone stepped in the end zone just a tiny bit. It was ruled a touchback. Another failure by the Lions. Niners go down, score a field goal. The score is now 24 to 27, our first lead change of the game. The Niners are up. The Lions have a two-minute drive from their own 25 to the Niners' 30. They face four and three, go for it with a pass short right to Amon Ross St. Brown, and don't convert. 24-27. San Francisco eats up four minutes on the drive. That results in an Eli Mitchell touchdown. We're now at a 10-point game, 24-34. to Lions have all three timeouts. They need 10 to, to tie this game. The goal is to drive down, score a touchdown quickly, onside kick it, get it, or use all three timeouts to prevent the Niners from kneeling it out. They have 3.02 left in the game at this point. 
The drive gets down to the San Francisco nine with 116 left on the clock. There's a pass complete to Anthony Ferkser, who then runs himself out of bounds with the turn radius of an 18 wheeler. Like what? To be fair, was that was that? just Kurt Jessel. That was his first catch all season. I'm it not was blaming his first Anthony catch all season. I'm not. I'm not. It's not him alone. There's uh, many things we'll talk about here, but that one thing to me drove me freaking crazy. Um, next, they face two and one on the San Francisco one yard line. Ferkser gets them to the one yard line. Incomplete pass. On third down, they decide to run it. And they don't get in. Um, they now need to burn a timeout, which means they must score. They must recover the onside kick and go down and score the field goal. On fourth and three, Jamison Williams scores 31-34. Lions onside kick it. They do not recover it. They don't have the abilities to stop the clock enough. And the Niners walk away with it 34-31. Three-point game in which there is much discussion about where in this game those three points could have come from. No. Your and turn. It's the wrong discussion. It's a It's a horrible... Horrible, terrible, we... wrong discussion. No, but you disagreed with me initially. I, I disagree. So I did. And then I sat on it for a little bit on the one we were discussing and I agreed with it. I ended up coming around on that one. I don't like the one where they could have went up three scores. That's the yeah. one I'm so, not a fan of. All right. I'm going to walk us through this. Uh, there's th four or five turning points in this game mm -hmm. in terms of decision making, in my opinion. Uh, and all the numbers that I use are going to be from rbsdm.com. Uh, they have a fourth down algorithm thing that basically uh, equates whether or not you go for it uh, to a win percentage increase or decrease. So basically it's saying, mm -hmm. do you have a better chance of winning if you go for it here? That's what they're trying to figure out. Um, so to start, uh, let's see. So the two decisions, the two big decisions that are under the most scrutiny by far, the one that everyone on Twitter Everyone on Twitter was flipping out about. I was losing my mind because I'm thinking, oh, people are going to flip out about this. But guess what? It's the right call. The first two, the, not the first two, but the two decisions that everyone's mad about. Uh, first, his choice to go for it on fourth and two at the 49ers 28 yard line with 703 left in the third quarter with the lines leading 24 to 10. People are saying, take the points. You make it a three score game. Is that? Yes. yes. Take the points. You make it a three score game. He went for it instead. Didn't get the first down. The second one was fourth and three at the 49ers 30 yard line with 732 left in the fourth quarter with the lines trailing 27 to 24. That's the big one that people are upset about. Mm -hmm. Now to set the stage just a little bit, let's look at what happened in between those two Lions are leading 24 to 10 with 703 left in the third quarter. Fast forward. There's basically one quarter has gone by because we're now we're at 732 left in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, the Lions have not scored since, and they are trailing 27 to 24. Now, this was a, a an argument that was very specific to the Undroppables group chat, but I saw other people talking about it, saying that you have to score a field goal because it puts pressure on the Niners. Guess what it doesn't do? Put pressure on the Niners by kicking a field goal because they have scored at will against you for the last uh, uh, quarter and a half of football. They've scored at will. Whenever they want, they've gone down the field, done whatever they want, and they've stopped in your offense ways. in multiple different ways, and they've stopped your offense with no problem. They will get more points. They will get more points in seven and a half minutes to mm -hmm. then take the lead. And they, at this point, are not worried about you driving down the field to then tie or win the game because you've struggled to get down the field at all in the second half. You are, you 100%. You 
100% you go forward on fourth down there. 100% of the time. It does give you a win probability of 2 point... It, it, you gain a win probability of 2.0% uh, for the second one. And on the one which... Uh, was the fourth, fourth and two, two in with in the third quarter? You gain two point two win percentage points. Basically, they're both saying it's close, but we suggest you go for it for the win. If you want to say it's close, fine. If you're a conservative coach, fine. Sean McVay, I guarantee you, he's kicking both field goals there. Kyle Shanahan, he's kicking both field goals there. But that's the thing is that is why they don't give their team an advantage in those situations. Dan Campbell goes for it in those situations, and he gives his team an advantage by doing that because they are scoring more points than other teams are. He is adding points to their grand total at the end of the season throughout all of these games by making these same decisions. And guess what? Most of the time, they're converting those. They're converting yes. those more often than the the field goal, uh, the, the kicker is converting that field goal. So the decision that I have an issue with uh, which did not get the public scrutiny that I believe that it deserved. And the in the call. moment, what? Uh, well, the no, that call. the run call is terrible. I'm speaking strictly of fourth okay. down decisions. Okay. The big one and the one where when they did not do it, I said to myself, I was like, there's a really good chance that that bites you in the ass because mm -hmm. you are running up the score on them right now. Your defense is doing an awesome job against one of the most talented offenses in the league. Do you expect that to happen for another whole half against one of the best offensive minds in football? I would assume not. I'm thinking I got to get as many points as I can as quickly as I can to make this insurmountable. The one right before the half? The one right before the half. It was fourth and uh, Nope, sorry, not that one. Uh, fourth and goal was, of the San Francisco three. Yes, fourth and three from the 49ers three-yard no, line. Yeah, I know. Yeah, fourth sorry. and goal from the three with yeah. seven seconds left in the second corner with the Lions leading 21-7. to Campbell mentioned that he was close to going for it, but ultimately decided to turn a two-score game into a three-score game. They had the offense out there at first. Yes, he he, he considered it, and then he didn't do it. Mm -hmm. That was a 4.4% swing in win, in win probability. I know that doesn't sound like a lot. That's a lot by one decision made at the end of the second quarter. If you get that, that's another four points. Guess what? If you want to play the game of where could those three points come from, that's four points for you. You won the game. Great. Not only that, you're going into halftime having asserted yourself. Yes. You have just and killed any momentum that the 49ers had because you didn't settle. You said, I'm going to keep bringing it to you nonstop. And here's an example of why I know that that's true. Super Bowl 52. I talk about it a lot, and that's because in this scenario – all of this is happening because of Doug Peterson. Other people have gone for it on fourth down. Ron Rivera was uh, Riverboat Ron because he kind of went for it. No one did it like Doug Peterson did in 2017 at that point in time. Nobody. And in the Super Bowl, against the greatest dynasty of all time, against the greatest coach of all time, against the greatest quarterback of all time, he is winning the game with 34 seconds left in the second quarter. He's up 15 to 12. Most people would be like, I'm going to take it. I will take three points. We're on the one, uh, the two yard line. Uh, no, one yard line. It's fourth down. I'm going to take the points, get to the half, the halftime locker room. And guess what? I'm going into halftime, winning the game against the greatest dynasty this sport has ever seen. And I'm thrilled about it. Doug, he says, he says, no, no, I'm going to go for it because guess what? I know that if I want to beat this team, I can't leave points on the board. I can't leave points on the board. 
not touchdowns. Field goals do not win games. Not against good teams. Not in high-pressure situations. Touchdowns win games. The biggest games on the biggest stages. Because the final score of that game was 41-33. to And that's partly because of a, you know, it was th- the Eagles went down in the second half. It was 32 to 33 at a certain point in time. If they had kicked a field goal instead of having a touchdown, it's a completely different game. That score looks completely different. The momentum can't you cannot let the momentum shift away from you. The Eagles asserted their dominance. Dan Campbell was going to do that. It was the right decision to go for it on those two fourth downs in the fourth quarter and third quarter because he could have ended the game with the one in the third quarter. I think if you convert that, that game's over. I think that game is completely over. If you convert it in the fourth quarter, now you're putting pressure on the 49ers. And if you actually go for it in the second quarter, I also think you're ending the game if you complete it and you get a touchdown out of that drive. Um, It just comes down to if he had succeeded in those moments, if the offense had succeeded in those moments, nobody's questioning it. Nobody's questioning it. I saw a tweet that said, um, uh, hey, listen, at least he sticks to what he usually does. If yep. you don't, that's how you end up to be Brandon Staley. Loved that. That was, that was a great tweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I you Well, we had the conversation during the game. My original reaction was upset about the fourth quarter one. Um, but upon conversation with you, it was just kind of the reactionary, like, casual football of just take the points and then i was like okay i I understand it we're here i still like personally am not a fan of the one in the third quarter um but that's i i don't think i'll change on that one that one to me is i stick on that um but it, it comes down to so much here right it comes down to the it's not just these calls either right so it's not just it it's wide open passes that hit you in the chest and it's, it's fumbles in the red zone or in your own red in the, zone in your own. Yeah. It's not downing a punt on the it's one. a couple of missed tackles. It's third down run call with a minute left on the clock that, um, and, and that's it. And that, that's how the Lions' story comes to an end, which is saddening and, and terrible. And it's not the way we wanted it to play out, but, the Niners did come out in the second half looking like a completely different team. Um, and they learned, you could tell they learned a lot from that first half and it changed in, in the drop of a hat. And whether you want to talk about going for the calls or not, the cause, at least the third quarter one had a momentum shift and it felt palpable in in the moment in I wasn't in the stadium but it sounded like in the stadium um and on players faces on the sideline and that to me in that moment was oh no right like that's one of those you can feel it sometimes and that happened and they don't get it and you feel that palpable like oh no um either way again it's not really what any of us wanted from the Lions uh the from Justin Rogers, Detroit News Beat reporter, is that quote I was talking about earlier. Um, Dan Campbell said he was honest with the locker room. This might have been their only shot. He doesn't yep. believe that. He doesn't think that. But it's the reality of the NFL. He said it'll be twice mm-hmm. as difficult next year. I really do appreciate the honesty on that because, like, it's always like they'll be back. And Dan Campbell's honest, and he says it. You, you Unless may you're not. the Chiefs, you're not. No, probably. and that's the thing is, it's every year is so different, and it's even in your own organization. 
coaches at this point they didn't know what Ben Johnson the the, the organization might have but it we was likely you were Johnson losing both doing. coordinators both coordinators players um you're in contact contract talks with Jared Goff there's always the possibility of something falling through um so there's so much that can change on a, in a given and and in within your division, right? So you go from your team to your division. What changes in your division? Do people trade? Who do they draft? And then the conference and then the league as a whole. On 30, that happens 32 times across. And there's a good chance you're not here next year. It's not easy. Just because you were good one year does not mean you will be good the next. And I appreciate the honesty from Dan Campbell. And I think that's what I like to see in a coach you and I have talked about it before and, and being straight up like these are grown men like yep. you don't have to to treat them like it's your peewee football team like we'll get them next time like there may not be a next time here for you um I don't believe that and I will do my best to make that not true but there may not be a next time and that's what sticks um but it was interesting to hear that because we don't usually hear that from coaches whether they say it or not we don't know but we don't hear that um another quote from was from Niner safety just Tayshawn Gibson on Steve Wilkes. He said, coach, quote, coach changed up the game plan. He, he made second half adjustments and those things just took us to victory, man. So shout out to coach Wilkes with those halftime adjustments. We were able to come out here and start making plays, start teeing off and being more physical, which um, from the defensive point, you can see that's where Nick Bosa really starts to get more into the game um, and making his his presence known in the game. That's where they're making hard. It what looks like harder hits and uh, tackles faster and just pressure up the middle. So you and I have talked so much about halftime adjustments and it may have just very well have been a pep talk and like, Hey, just tweak this one little thing that we have time adjustments are a really hard thing to do in a very short period of time. But something happened in that locker room for the Niners at halftime that that sparked it for them. This means Sam Darnold is now the first quarterback from the 2018 class to make it to the Super Bowl, a, super, a quarterback class that included both Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Um, and this, Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones, yes. And um, this will go down as a game of what if for a lot of people. And it stinks if you're a Lions fan, but the Niners prevailed here and we have our Super Bowl set up. It is the... Niners technically at the Chiefs, um, which will be held at Allegiant Stadium next Sunday, February 11th at 6.30 p.m. The Chiefs will be wearing red. The Niners will be wearing white. There is a Chiefs flag buried under that Allegiant Stadium. I sent you that one. One of the construction workers had put a, a thing under there. Lots of memes going around with the Chiefs playing in the Raiders stadium in the playoffs before the Raiders get to do so. Um, but the stage is set. We will not be chatting about the Super Bowl tonight. That will be something we will be talking about next week. Well, again, one of my favorite shows of the season. Um, yeah, any final thoughts? Take your wins where you can get them because you don't know what adjustments the other team's going to make at halftime. Yeah. And if you don't have the balls to go for it, then you're probably not going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention one interesting stat. Um, that Gibbs and Montgomery are the first running back duo to have a thousand scrimmage yards and 10 rushing touchdowns each. Um, that's the first duo in history to do so. Which is pretty I feel funny. like we shouldn't have ended with that. We just spent like, we just got really depressing about the lions. We and, did, then you, but... and then we're going to try and cheer them up with a cool stat that nobody cares about because they lost. I care about it. No, you don't. I not, do not that. really. Not as much as you do that. They lost. 
Yeah, no, that was very upsetting. I I'm just I'm just saying, Ashley, read the room. It's been a long time since I got that upset about a team that like wasn't my own team. The the frustrations and pain and anger I feel during a game for my own team is one of a kind. But this was probably the closest you could get to it in a long time. I'm that upset that the Niners won. So yeah. So who are you rooting for? The Chiefs. Me too. No question. I have a nice it. Travis Kelsey shirt. Um. All right. I don't. Tell us where we can find you, Michael Duncan. Uh, seeing if there's a way to give my knees to Joel Embiid through uh, various uh, undocumented and unapproved methods of surgery. Uh, so that way he can continue his MVP season. Um, other than that, you can find me on Twitter at MBDuncan75. You could find me. Uh, on Twitter at Ashley underscore Marie with two A's in Ashley. Me and Duncan will be here live Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find Duncan and I and all of our content with The Undroppables at theundroppables.com or on our YouTube channel. Listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts and chat with us by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash theundroppables. We look forward to having one of my favorite shows, the Super Bowl show. I hope you're here to hang out and have some fun with us next week. And Thank real you quick, for joining us. Go to uh go to our website, theundroppables.com, follow along on Twitter because we've added a bunch of new people to the team. They're yeah. coming in uh, with a ton of energy, they're creating some awesome content. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all of that stuff because we're posting everywhere. It's going awesome. Shout out to all those guys that have joined us. Uh make sure you follow along to uh, you know, see us uh making some great content sorry to yeah. interrupt your outro no you're good it'll be a great off season and um i'm really excited to see what the team has to offer so we will see you next week i hope you all have a lovely night goodbye go birds bye